Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers. We've been asking on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What team would be the best fit for Odell Beckham Jr.? Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. All phone guests on the Goodyear hotline. And then there's Mike Tannenbaum on set giving the straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So, um, Odell Beckham was placed on waivers. Uh, so how about a reunion? What about Odell back to the Giants? I Just humor me for a second. Here's the Michael K. show. Should the Giants, Don LaGreca and Michael Keisha, should the Giants welcome back OBJ? I think I do. I think I really think about it. I know he's a headache. I was glad to see him go when they traded him to Cleveland, but for really no risk at all, just for the second half of this year, you would assume he'd be on his best behavior. You'd assume that he'd want to show everybody that he's not the problem. He loved playing here. He was heartbroken when he was traded from here. I don't know if he'd come. I love it. But clearing waivers, I Peter, if I'm trying to win games and learn about my quarterback, why would I not give it a try? And the second he's out of line, I just cut him. I don't think Odell, like Daniel Jones is coming along. He might be an okay quarterback. I'm sure Odell's looking at Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and, and Patrick Mahomes and those kind of quarterbacks. Never played with a guy like that. But just to play devil's advocate, Mike, Key, Jay, the Giants do have, when you look at the pieces on their offense, they have explosive pieces on offense. And if you added Odell to that receiving core, there are a lot of options where the Giants could hurt you offensively. Okay. No, I'm Mike. good. I'm 100% with yeah, Keith. No, yeah, me no, too. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> me too. You already have Kenny Galladay. You took Kadarius Tony. John Ross has been a fine. You got Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. It's the offensive line and a gazillion other things. But to me, we have to check two boxes for OBJ. You need a strong, strong program, being a head coach, a quarterback. You need somebody that could come in and say to him, hey, we want you to come with us, stand shoulder to shoulder, help us make a meaningful run in the playoffs. Let's flush what's happened in the past, and then let's accomplish great things together. And to me, there's three teams, Seattle, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, New Orleans, championship defense, Dying for a receiver, especially in light of what's going on with Michael Thomas's injury. And then Green Bay. <clears throat> Green Bay needs a steady presence on the opposite side of Devontae Adams. So if I'm Green Bay and I see Von Miller getting traded to the Rams, this is a unique opportunity to add a meaningful player coming down the stretch run. Yeah, it, Green Bay's a good – that's a good team for him. But I would go Seattle, Kansas City – those are the Baltimore. Those are the teams. New Orleans, because of the quarterback situation, is probably not a good fit because of the quarterback situation. Having the he just left that with Baker Mayfield. Right. So when you look at Green Bay, Seattle, Kansas City, three of the top quarterbacks in the league, the best quarterbacks he will have ever played with in his entire career, and all three of those teams need receiver help. You know, Kansas City understands how to utilize dynamic playmakers. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson understand dynamic playmakers. And then a, a bonus win would be the Rams. 
Yeah, I could see that. And then, by the yeah. way, no so, one's talking Baltimore anymore with Odell. But man, if you gave Lamar Jackson, Baltimore would be good. A special receiver. I just asked Mike. So this is a one-year deal, right? Yeah. So if he clears eight, waivers, eight, well, eight months. I mean, eight games. Right? Yeah, eight right. Games. If he clears so, waivers, he could sign a one-year or a two-year deal. If he gets claimed, he has to go to the team under that seven point two five million dollar mm-hmm. contract that's left for this year. So if if it's that, and Max, you and I were talking about how much, if look a lot. Is decide if Cleveland continues to win, but we talk about the importance of Baker uh, of OBJ actually winning. Seattle, okay, like I, I hear it playing with Russell Wilson and DK and Lockett. I hear that, but Seattle's in an interesting position right now. Kansas City, could they make the playoffs? Yeah, potentially, but interesting position right now. I look at Green Bay, could win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Could win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, like. That that scenario is the perfect scenario for him to actually win at the highest level for one clip this year. But the crazy thing is all those teams can win the Super Bowl. Every last one of those teams, Kansas City can still win the Super Bowl. Seattle can still make a run in the I, Super Bowl. I, I wouldn't, you get I wouldn't into bet the money on Kansas City. All you got to do is get in the tournament, man. Actually, Jay, I, I think if you added Odell to Kansas City, that offense, I think, would, I think that would just, like, click. Still I know the offensive line and everything, but, but – but, they they lack depth in terms of receiving targets. Not on the I mean like how many really top flight receiving targets. If you put Odell with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and now and now uh uh, uh Hardman is the fourth option as a target, that's a lot. It's well, a lot. Kansas City try to just do that with Josh Gordon. Here's what I'd be saying to Odell and his agent this afternoon, and we did this at the Jets, be it Braylon Edwards. Santonio Holmes, which is come with us and invest in your future because if you play great and help us get over the hump, you'll be the number one free mm-hmm. agent in 2022. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, like I am not getting off the phone with OBJ until we have a deal. Tell me what routes you'd like to run. Tell me when you've been the most successful and let Aaron Rodgers sell that into the Green Bay Packer program. Oh, yeah. Because Randall Cobb's been a success. Yes. And to me, if I'm OBJ, I have to go to a place where I know I have a chance to be a meaningful contributor on a winning team. And I agree with Keith. Like, that's why Seattle, New Orleans, of all the teams, like to me, Green Bay would be one. The only thing I would say about Kansas City is because of everything they else have there, McCole Hardman, Pringle, Josh Gordon, I don't know if I'm going to have a chance to make an impact like I would in either, let's say, Baltimore. You think Josh Gordon would get looks over Odell? But. Well, here's why, Max. There's eight games left. He's not going to come in from day one and just go out there. It's going to take him a minute to learn. I'm just saying if I'm representing OBJ and I'm looking at Kansas City or Green Bay, I think Green Bay gives me a better opportunity because you could put Green Bay's in the slot. Also a better overall team who really lacks well, Green, a Green second Bay, dynamic Green, receiving Green Bay would be Green Bay would be great. Lazar and him and, and, and uh, Adams, that, there's no question that would be great. But – I don't know that he's thinking about being in Green Bay. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem, right? Trying to tell it's, us something, yes. Don't know that the Green Bay situation <laughs> is where he wants to be. You know, maybe there's a Los Angeles Rams fit there. They lose Deshaun Jackson. They got Jefferson. They got Cooper Cup, and they got Robert Woods. That's basically their three guys. You add him into the mix, you now have another toy to play with. He likes the sunshine. He likes L.A. He has a house there. I wouldn't put them out of it. The, the Raider thing is gone because of Deshaun. Kansas City's interesting because Kansas City could still win the division. Patriots? Yeah. Patriots would be interesting as well. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out either. I and, wouldn't rule that out. And, and let's like remember this too. Let's go back to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown doesn't work out in New England. 
doesn't work out in Vegas. And Tom Brady, let's face it, saves Antonio Brown's career. Super Bowl winner now, signs a new contract. He's thriving. And that's why different circumstances. But he would have worked out in New England. The problem was the the allegations came down and they had to part ways with him. And then he went nuts on the ownership. Yeah. But was, I, yeah, yeah, and I know, I know Mac Jones is playing well. I'm just not trusting Mac right. Jones for know, this. Right, right. I know what Mike's going with. Right, right. But no, my point is this. Like, it, this is – if I'm OBJ, I have to be totally aligned with the quarterback so I can max out my opportunity so I can crush it next year. Because right now, I haven't played well the last couple of years. This is a meaningful choice at a consequential time in his career. And Mike, we were talking about it. We were talking LA. about it on the radio yesterday. On, no on, bad weather. on this show yesterday, Antonio Brown, all the baggage, all the negative stuff. He won a Super Bowl. It's like <laughs> poof, gone, right? <laughs> It, the 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 thing that recommends Green Bay more than anything is if if Odell can fit into a team where he wins a Super Bowl and he's a significant contributor, the entire impression of him, any negative impression, gone. Max, you know, Coach Parcells, key, you know it. Winning is a great deodorant. It covers up everything that stinks. Hmm. Yeah. No, it, it does. And and the thing with OBJ is you can't put him in a position to not be OBJ. You 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 gotta understand what I mean by that. His personality, who he is. You can't all of a sudden try and turn him into Mike Tannenbaum. It's just not gonna work. Can't turn him into Max. Well, Cummins. certainly you can't turn not, Tannenbaum into OBJ. No, I'm serious. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever been <laughs> in the same sense before. But no, but I mean, you can't all of a sudden turn him into a corporate type guy. It's yeah. just not. You gotta let him wear the hairstyle, right. the clothes, and be who he is. You can't all of a sudden say. You got to do it this way because it's not going to work. How would Aaron Rodgers get along with Odell? I think Aaron Rodgers would be fine you know, with Odell. Yeah. The most impressive thing about no one has problems with quarterbacks, man. Yeah, the most impressive thing about Aaron Rodgers when he had that long press conference in August, off the top of his head, he talked about thirty to forty teammates about the Charles Woodsons of the world. Off the top of his head, like to me, I learned a lot about him. Like he must be a really, really good teammate. And there's a side of him that I'm sure he doesn't let the public see, but. I think there's a lot more to Aaron Rodgers than he lets on. You to. learned a lot about him the last couple of weeks, huh, Jay? Never mind. Um, you know, just the, you didn't catch it. I caught it. I'm just sticking the football key. But you gotta you gotta think that he can get along with anybody at the quarterback spot. Now there's I mean I want to go back to Seattle for a second. And the reason, because Mike, I talk a lot about Tomlin's never been under five hundred, right? Mike Tomlin is a coach boy. I'm looking for wins. Steelers ain't gonna be below five hundred. Russell Wilson has had one season in his entire career under double-digit wins, and he won nine games that year. We have plenty of football left to play. It's a 17-week season. He's coming back early. They got two real good receivers. You add Odell Beckham Jr. to that mix? Here's the reason it's not going to work this year. Two reasons. The Rams, the Cardinals. The, the run he's had is when those other teams have been down. They're the third best team in that division as of right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. At best. But I just feel like someone's track record. I, I hear what you're saying. Like Tom Brady feasted on a week NFC East. I, 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 AFC East. I get it. But after a certain amount of time, NFL games are usually close. A couple plays can turn wins. When I see a winning player who forget about all the excuses, changing circumstances, why the offensive line's no good this year, his defense is terrible that year, they may. Somehow, if you win double digits basically every year of your career, you can't tell me you're going to have five wins on the seat. Like, they're going to start winning games when he gets back. I can't believe they won't. Well, they weren't winning games when he was there. Ah, they got off to a slow start. <laughs> That's the, the problem. Right. The, the, the defense isn't the same. And, again, when you look at 
to me, the Rams and the Cardinals, I don't think any of the three, four of us would be surprised if they were in the Super Bowl. I think Seattle, if things go great, are the third best team. Yeah. And I think I San Francisco has been and the remember, biggest. But you they, can make the playoffs as the third best team they, in that They division. fight for the sixth, seventh seed in the NFC. Well, That's where they're well, going to be at if they make it to the playoffs. Keyshawn J. Willemax presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance is proud to support veterans with its annual Keys to Progress Vehicle giveaway program. By the way, I, I can't believe none of us are thinking of the most obvious team. Tom Brady will somehow get Odell Beckham Jr. On, <laughs> on the of course he's going to the box. Now celebrating nine years of donating vehicles, helping veterans in need. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. Let's get to the so-called America's team. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Uh, you just said that's malpractice. What were you referring to, Mike? That they left Dak Prescott in the game in the fourth quarter. Guys, we're talking. 30 nothing. Yeah, we're talking about a quarterback that last year had a huge, huge injury, season-ending fracture of his ankle and his foot. Comes back this year, misses all of training camp because of his shoulder, which is not a coincidence, by the way, it, because you throw with your legs, and when you throw with your legs, it's going to take a minute for your body to get back to where he was. He missed all of camp. Then, on the same leg, he pulls a calf muscle after being the Patriots. And the head coach is saying the reason we kept him in is because we need work on the two-minute uh, offense. I, I, I was shocked that they left him in, and that statement to me, guys, was bewildering, and here's why. You want to practice two-minute? You do it at practice. Dak Prescott, to me, is the MVP in the NFL. They have no hope without him, despite Cooper Rush winning one game, despite how much the defense has improved. You take him out because he is your most – absolutely indispensable player who has three objective injuries over the last year. And every rep out there should be one that is significant and consequential. And I know he's an offensive coach. I know he's a play caller. I know the two-minute offense is about precision and timing, but that's why you have practice. Let's listen to Coach Mike McCarthy yesterday about playing Dak in the fourth quarter. The reason why we stayed with our players particularly, I mean, we didn't – we didn't play a whole lot in the third quarter. So, and, um, you know, two minutes is something that we've been trying to spend as much time on as possible. So, uh, frankly, it was risk assessment and it was accepted risk and just really paying it forward, you know. So, you know, if, if we would have had, a, you know, a chain of events that totally lined up for us at the end of the fourth quarter, you know, it would have been one of those games that you'd be talking about for the next, you know, last next 20 years. But that obviously wasn't the case. But, yeah, uh, I said it right on the right on the headsets. You know, we're going to stay. It's, I want two minute, wide open. Well, we need to work, and, and um, that was the plan. Yeah, and 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 if you'd have won the game, we'd have been talking about it for another twenty years, or whatever. But and if you'd have got hurt, we'd have been talking that another twenty years too. So that is a foolish move on Mike McCarthy's part to leave Dak Prescott in in those situations. Now, if you're if you're down whatever the number was at the time that you felt you wanted to run the two-minute, you should have sped that up, which means that you realize that your offense isn't getting going. Now let's just go two-minute in the second half. That's a great try point. try to engineer exactly. things. If that's what you want to do, let's come out of halftime. And, you know, we've been there where many times we've been struggling as an offense and we say – how, let's go into the empty sets in two minutes and let's methodically move down That's the field. That's a great point. Because what you're going to do is you're going to soften up the defense and you're going to get them out of their base stuff. And now you can practice your two-minute stuff. And if you put points on the board, now you can stay with it, but at least you're closing the point gap. Now all of a sudden the game is different. I love that. In other words, 
wait, you're going to risk the health of a guy down 30 nothing. You have no chance to win the game. None. You're going to risk the health of your quarterback just basically on a drill that you could just do it practice, right? Yeah. But, but key, your point is so good because wait a minute. If, if you're really making that a point of emphasis – Use it to try to get back in the game that yeah. you're getting whooped in. Yeah, right? see, what you do. Th- this whole thing just continues to confirm about how Mike McCarthy manages things. Like we've been talking about this throughout the course of the year, whether it's end of game scenario or whether it's this type of scenario. Like it, it's just it keeps tacking up. And, and, and by the way, I agree with everything you said. The number one responsibility of the head coach is the quarterback, his development, and it, it's managing him over 17 games. You're telling me that's the only way you could get reps? Like, I totally agree with Key. Come out of the locker room in the third quarter. Yeah, say, we're going two minutes. Yeah. We're going to go two minutes. If, if, if Kadak is on the field practicing something instead of doing it at practice, it better be in the service of a win, right? Yeah. It can't be just for practice. By the way, if we asked 10,000 soft tissue experts, they would all say the same thing. Would He's coming off of a calf injury. Like, you want to minimize his exposure. Like, he got hurt on a non-contact play, making an unbelievable throw against New England. You want to manage those reps until he's 1,000%. And he was just cleared. He missed one game. I, I was just shocked Mike. that with that player that they would take one more it rep is, than necessary. It's so easy to do. At halftime, you make your halftime adjustments. You say to the offensive coordinator, head coach, and receiver coach, and quarterback coach, they all get the offensive staff, say, what do you want to do? I think we should get in the two-minute. And then you see where the two-minute goes. And if the two-minute is going according to plan, you stick with it. Otherwise, you scrap it, you pull him out of the game, and then you just play with whatever you play with. Like, there's a guy named Rex Ryan, I don't know if you're familiar with him, who works at this network, who told us about the idea, and it was like, boy, that sounded out there at the time, that they're not going to let Kellen Moore leave the building. And, and that might be, he was like, well, you just pay him a lot of money to stay, but but Rex did throw it out there that he might be the head coach next year. With stuff like this, when, when Jerry and Steven like, review the season, is, are there enough things like this, or how many more would it take at this level, do you think, before that would be realistic that maybe Kellen Moore could be the head coach next year? Yeah, I think it goes back to Jay Will's point, which is it's a whole body of work. It's, it's situations like that. It's knowing when to challenge. It's the end of the games that we've seen a few times. They have two great coordinators. You know, Dan Quinn's done a great job. Dan Quinn took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. Kellen Moore is a good up-and-coming coach. There's no doubt, like, from a management ownership standpoint, you're looking at the next three to five years and saying, what puts us in the best position to be successful? Now, in fairness to Coach McCarthy, he's the one that's assembled that staff and deserves credit for it. And we have seen the best franchises, like the Mike Tomlins, the Bill Belichicks, the Pete Carrolls. You want to develop and attract great coaches and let them go back out and do great things. So, I don't make that decision indiscriminately, but that is a huge question mark about his judgment because the management and protection of Dak Prescott over a 17-game season is the most important thing he has responsibility for. And A, the decision was baffling, and his explanation was shocking. If you're the GM and you see the coach do that, what conversation are you having Monday? So – it really starts, guys. I always say in the building, Dolphins, Jets, like we are in the business of first guessing, not second guessing. We are partners. So we're talking every Monday and Friday anyway. We're doing an autopsy of the game, win, lose, or draw. And then on Friday, we're talking about, hey, going into this game, what matchups do we like? Which ones are we concerned about? So those are conversations you're having with the medical staff. Going back to – it's it's Dak Prescott, guys. It's Dak Prescott. He's had three major injuries. That's a conversation. So, in other words, you're, before the game, that's you're, never going to happen. You're talking about it in August, Max. Yeah. Like, 
like we need to minimize his exposure. And again, let's remember this, guys. Only one team in the NFC gets a bye. Mm-hmm. And Arizona, the Rams, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and them, there's no difference between being the two seed and the five seed. There's a massive difference between the being the one seed. And we got to do everything we can to give ourselves the best shot to be the one seed. If Dak misses three more games because you want to work on a two-minute drill, that's a reason to really question his judgment. See, he's a general manager. Me, I'm not a general manager. You know what I would tell him? Don't you ever do that again or I'm going to fire your ass. So you're an owner. Simple. You're an owner. Yeah, you're <laughs> an owner. Because that ever, sounds like an owner. Don't ever do that again. Even though we had that conversation in training camp to minimize risk and injury and all that, sometimes coaches got to be reminded of certain things. And when you say that, really what that sounds like to me is not leaving Dak in if you're up, if you're down 30 with seven minutes to go. It's don't do anything that stupid again. Don't right? do it. Like that, if like, we we're up talking 30, about, you bet not have him in. We're, right, right. We're talking about the difference between earlier, you guys were debating the idea of Matt Nagy using a timeout. What do you want? You know, that's a debate. That's not an outright blunder, even if you think it was a mistake. But there's no debating. This is an outright blunder. Right, right. right. It's not that hard. Like, rule number one on my chalkboard is keep Dak Prescott as healthy yes. and as productive for as long as possible. Nothing else matters. Like, they lost to Marcus Lawrence, they've lost a lot of guys on defense. They're still hanging in there. They've lost Tyron Smith, a great left tackle. They're hanging in there. Terrence Steele's played well. You lose Dak Prescott, it's over. Game over. It, it, it's over. Yeah, and I don't that's know why, why would he. I have no idea why he would even do that, though. It's crazy. That's what. Look, it, the worst draft class, class ever. Are we talking about the worst draft class ever? I'm obviously not talking about the Cowboys. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance, all phone guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Then there's Mike Tannenbaum, who joins us in studio, still with us. So, all right. Um, The Raiders released Damon Arnett. Video of Arnett, the number 19 pick in the 2000 draft, surfaced over the weekend. He was making death threats while brandishing firearms. That led to the Raiders waving Arnett, a cornerback who's been on injured reserve. Quote, We spent significant time, effort, and resources trying to help him in all aspects of his life, said GM Mike Mayock, who acknowledged there was, quote, significant concern over Arnett's character when they drafted him. The bottom line, the Raiders will not tolerate this type of behavior. They'll only draft 11 guys. (laughs) No one will. All right, so what (laughs) takes, that takes us to the Raiders' 2020 draft, okay? It was a disaster. The first well, two first-rounders were cut last week. This is the 2020 draft we're talking about. Arnett and 
Henry Ruggs, obviously. Two third-rounders didn't play a snap, and a fourth-rounder never made the team. What do you make of this, Key? Well, first of all, significant concern. So the, the fact that you use significant in front of concern is a significant concern of mine that you have the job as general manager. <laughs> that to start with, because we all have concerns when you – a lot of players, I don't say we all, a lot of players have concerns – when you are evaluating them and scouting them and you're doing your R&D, your due diligence and whatever, you're, you're going out there and trying to poke and find things. There's going to always be a concern. I don't give a damn if you're Peyton Manning or no Keyshawn Johnson. It's going to be a concern about something. But when you say significant, that's already enough to say, you know what, never mind, it's not worth it. On top of that, you reached for Arnett to begin with. You took him at the 19th slot. He, was, he shouldn't have gone there to start with. It's just they did the Raiders a disservice. John Gruden did them a disservice when he made the decision to move on for Reggie McKenzie as general manager and inserted Mike Mayock into that role. Now, whether Mayock was signing off on it at the end of the day or whatever the case may be, he's got the title of general manager. When you got rid of a, a, a proven guy – who, by the way, played in the league and won a Super Bowl in the league and was doing a pretty good job at building the Raiders with Jack Del Rio, and you got rid of him and brought in a non-experienced guy who shouldn't have had the job in the first place based on what? Draft analysis doing the draft? that he I don't understand it. And you could just see the pattern of the players and the type of players that they continue to miss on year in and year out since taking over. I mean, they reached literally – literally they've reached on everybody that they've drafted. The, the one guy that they reached on to a degree, Mike, that not necessarily panned out but hasn't been a total disaster is Colton Miller. He's the one guy uh, that they reached on that wasn't a disaster. Because so, so Jacobs the, wasn't a reach. They they kind of – that's yeah. what he was supposed Mike, to be. Cleveland Farrell was a big reach. Cleveland yeah. Farrell was a big reach. Yeah. Leatherwood was a big reach. You know, uh, Mike, let me I, I want I, this is bizarre to me. Right. So so if they're OK, if a guy has if you have significant concerns about a player's character, right, you would think, well, there are plenty of great athletes in this draft. I'll just move on to the next guy. Unless. Wait a minute. This guy's talent. He's just a different maker. No nope. difference. maker. But in fact, they were reaching in terms of the talent at that draft slot. And overlooked significant character issue. So, guys, there's a great expression, which is the tape sets the floor and the character sets the ceiling. And, candidly, it also could be a great opportunity. I'll give you guys a perfect example. If you do your homework, one of the things I really believe in life is who you really are is how you treat people that can't help you. The waiter, the waitress, the bus driver, the equipment person, the trainer. And if you go back a couple of years ago in the draft, Laramie Tunsil was the number one player on the board. Shortly before the start of the draft, a videotape comes out of him doing something, which a lot of people in this country do. But for whatever reason, it's it scared off a lot of teams. He was the number one guy on our board. We had a good, not great, good left tackle in Brandon Albert. And at 13, we're like, we took out our, our reports. Larry Tunsil was a great teammate at Ole Miss, great relationship with his mom, treated everybody in that program with a lot of respect. He made a mistake. We all do. And we were like, wow, this is a great opportunity. And that turned out to be a great pick. They wound up trading him, and he's been a really good player. But to me, and I agree with Key from this standpoint, like if you do your homework on these players, yes. like there's no way not to know that someone like Damon Arnett is going to have concerns. 
And oh, by the way, you're moving to Las Vegas. Like to me, the bar has Hello? to be even that much higher. I have a question. For, you know, and we see this all the time in the NBA, former players that then come back into the front office. How come that doesn't happen more in football? Well, I think it does to varying degrees. And he mentioned, like, Renji McKenzie was a former player that went on to be a GM. You know, some go into scouting, some go into coaching. But I, I think you're right, Jay. Well, generally speaking, it seems like there's more of that in the NBA. I just feel, well, I just feel as a player, I, it feels like it's easier for me to sniff out things quicker about players absolutely. that I, I've been around, oh, I grew absolutely. around, I understand. But, but Jay, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying GMs can't do that yeah, either. And, and I think the difference in the NFL, candidly, is like, you know, there's 150, 200 players ultimately on your board. You start with 1,000. You need to have a good process. And to me, it always came back to how do they treat their support staff? Did they play hurt? Did they come in for treatment? Did they watch tape? And even if Damon Arnett did some of those things, if you knew that he was on the fringe for whatever reason – and we're going to Vegas, like, I'm staying a million miles away from those guys. I got to go guys that love ball, that never want to leave the building because of the environment we're going to. I, I, I understand where, you, where you're going with it, Jay. And when you look at it, I can identify issues that could possibly come up. Not only have I grown up a certain way, they're going to talk to me different mm-hmm. than they are – Jeff Ireland, for instance. They're going to talk to me different. The players are going to tell me what their true issues are. And people are going to tell me what their true issues are. That, that's what these owners in the National Football League that make these decisions or the presidents of clubs that make these decisions have to fa- start to factor into ex-players being elevated faster. I know they're in scouting roles and things of that nature, but – if you have your room, like you say, a thousand people that you're taking a look at all over the place, small schools we ain't never heard of, and we got scouts in that region, the scouts in those regions are going to bring me that information back as the president, general manager of a team that is running this. They're going to compile that information for me. Then I'm going to do my due diligence along with whoever my trusted people are to do those things. But I'm also going to get on the plane and I'm going to go and talk to the high school teacher. I'm going to go and talk to the elementary coach. I'm going to go and find out what his homeboys are in the neighborhood. I know just based on what the due diligence was done with my background, when I became the number one overall pick, when Shaq Harris and Dick Haley was snooping around, they was talking to the the damn dude selling the oranges on the corner. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to know, is Keyshawn, like they said, they came back and they figured I paid everybody off because they couldn't find one bad thing that somebody would say about me. And they joke about it to this day. That's how you do it. When you have significant concerns with somebody, and part of the reason to me is, one, is laziness, okay, on their part. As, as Mike liked to use the word negligence, that's part of it. Like you just think that because a kid goes Ohio State, everything is cool because we've gotten some kids out of Ohio State before. But when you got a kid two years removed from college, not only is he brandishing assault weapons on video, he too almost killed somebody in a car accident. That's not being talked about. That happened last year. So you start to, you start to look at that. It's like, what type of dudes are you drafting and bringing into cities like Mike say in Las Vegas? Because you're not paying attention to what the real issues are. You're just trying to collect bodies that players that you think are good opposed to talented players that also have a head on their shoulders. And that goes back to ex-players 
that I believe need to these owners and presidents need to really start looking at the, the likes of 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 Lewis Riddick's real opportunities and chances. Look what John Lynch has been able to do as an ex-player in the National Football League in San Francisco two years, three years after he got the job, help take them to the Super Bowl. And they're not doing good on field coaching, but he has done a good job as a general manager in terms of getting them to possibly where they want to be. The question is, for a league like, say, the NBA, where you see a lot of former players in positions of power. Next week. Versus the NFL, where you, it feels like there's less so. The question is, why? It seems to me the most obvious answer, could be wrong, but it seems to me the most obvious answer is that you have to answer the question, who are you empowering? Who is being empowered at the ownership level? Who, who are the owners empowering? And do they have a taste for it? Do In the NFL, and by the way, if league-wide that isn't happening a lot, but it is a competitive advantage if you do hire from within the ranks of the players, right? Because that's Absolutely. what the argument is. It's a competitive, well, if it's a competitive advantage, why don't more owners do it? do it? Because if you're operating in a league where no one's really doing it, you don't have to worry about being at a disadvantage if you don't do it. Hey, one of the things that's interesting about I ain't about trying the, to take you out of job, Mike, but go ahead. <laughs> no, but what's interesting about this discussion is in the two uh, examples you give, Key, both those decisions were made by head coaches. Basically, John Gruden hired Mike Mayock. Yes, yes. Kyle Shanahan hired John Lynch. Yes. So, interesting. Yeah, so to, to go into Max's point, like that's an area of focus as well as like, looking at the people that are making those decisions. But to go back to – you know what? Let's continue this. Let's continue this on the other side. Because uh, um, Mike's coming with me. Oh, wait. We have Orlando. Paul Feinbaum coming. Finish the thought, and, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap. Yeah. My point is, like, the character is, to me, an opportunity if it's done correct. Like, my ex- experience with Larry Tunsil is a good one, you know, from a standpoint of – and it's exactly what Keith said. If you do your homework on guys, yes. you could find really good players at all different points of the draft – Look at Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill fell in the draft for something that happened in mm-hmm. college. Got to give a lot of credit to Andy Reid. They put him in the environment where he's now one of the best players in the NFL. From the NFL to college football and what the rankings will look like this time around. That's next. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. 
Paul Feinbaum of the eponymous Paul Feinbaum show. I didn't get any remark from Jay or Key. The eponymous Paul Feinbaum show. Let's get right to Paul. I know what that means. brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is heating up and fans are hyped. Crack open an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, slap on a fresh coat of face paint, and return to glory with an all-new season of Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Good morning, Paul. Paulie. Good morning, guys. How are you? Hey, Max. Good, good. Um, you told us you'd be worried about Cincinnati if they weren't ranked at least three in the initial rankings. They were sixth, and then they just struggled. How much trouble the Bearcats in? I think they're in real trouble because uh, with, with the biggest stage ever on that campus with game day and a national televised game, I mean, they just played terribly, had to hang on to, to avoid losing against a subpar team. I can't imagine that impressed uh, these 13 people in the committee room. So they may move up one because Michigan State lost, but, but uh, I, don't see, uh, I don't see much hope for them right now. Even though Michigan State lost, like you said, Paul, and they were sitting at six, they move up one. Those other teams in front of them, like Oregon, Oregon's, you know, they still are not convincingly blowing people out in the Pac-12. So you don't think they still have a, a shot? Keisha, I think they do have a shot, and, and you're right. Uh, everyone, is, everyone looked bad last week. Uh, you know, Ohio State didn't look that great. Oregon struggled at Washington. A- Alabama nearly lost uh, to a, a team that they were almost a 30-point favorite over. So I, I, I hear you loud and clear, and Alabama could still lose down the road. So could, so could everyone else. So I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but – Remember, Oklahoma is farther down than they are. Uh, They have a really interesting path ahead. I just think uh, their schedule ultimately will get them. Uh, They could be on the bubble, but uh, it doesn't seem likely from from where I sit. Paul Feinbaum, host of the Paul Feinbaum Show, joining us here on Keyshawn J. Will Max. So, Paul, what, what kind of movement do you expect to see this week in the rankings? I think it's going to be pretty status quo. Uh, obviously, Georgia will be number one. The, the number two position could, could shift a little bit uh, because, because of what I said about Alabama. Uh, you could see Oregon slip in there. But I, I don't think uh, it will be dramatic movement. Uh, and and, and I, I know people love to overreact, Jay, but really right now it's just a matter of surviving. Uh, there, there's so many important games left that – uh, there's championships to be played in four weeks. So I, I, I just don't pay a lot of attention to where you are right now other than Cincinnati. That was a, that was a message the committee sent. Other than that, everyone else is, is simply jockeying and holding on. And one, one, Let's take Alabama for a second. If Alabama wins out if, if, you know, against Arkansas next week and, and Auburn and then Georgia, they're in. Uh, so is Georgia. But if they lose any of those games, they, they are likely going to uh, – be moved out, which does open a spot. Uh, Oklahoma, I think, moves it moves up, even even though they have a very difficult schedule, and and then the, the Big Ten will be settled. Uh, so many big games remaining in the Big Ten: Michigan, Penn State uh, next week, Michigan State at Ohio State, Mich- uh, Michigan hosting Ohio State in the final weekend in the championship game. So uh, we love it. it. It's interesting, but tonight's rankings are not going to mean very much. If if there is anything in tonight's ranking like a surprise or some sort, which team or school, for that matter, do you think it'll be? Well, I think it's about Cincinnati. Uh, even though I said what I did a minute ago, you know, it would be interesting to see if the committee doesn't try to overcompensate for or overcorrect for last week. Uh, they always say they don't pay attention to the outside noise. I, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, they're watching 
They're watching this show and every other show that's talking about the CFP because they really don't have a whole lot else to do. This is not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not splitting atoms in that room. They're, they're watching game film. So I do think that, that, that that's one thing I would watch if, if Cincinnati moves up a little bit. Uh, but other than that, I, I'm, I, I, I would, I, I, I'm not going to pay a lot of attention because uh, Alabama is probably the only team that could move uh, down one, but I think it's slight, if, if, if anything. Um, so Florida fired their defensive coordinator and offensive line coach earlier this week, Paul. What does that say about Dan Mullen's status as Gators head coach? Not only that, not only that, Paul predicted this the last time he was on yeah. with us when I asked him about Finger the status pointing. of the coach. He knew exactly what he was going to do. Well, because you have to know Dan Mullen, uh, Keyshawn, and uh, this hmm. is someone that will do anything to keep his job. And by the way, uh, most people would. I'm not singling him out. Uh, Todd Grantham was one thing. I understand that you know, the defense has been a disaster, but the defense played pretty well the other day. Uh, the offense didn't. And what I don't, you, you tell me, Keyshawn, your offensive line coach, a guy that's been with you for 20 years, uh, as well as Urban Meyer, and who, who got you Dak Prescott at Mississippi State, you fire him even though you are the offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I don't understand that one. That, that one to me looked like he might have just been standing outside the, outside the door when, when he was firing the D.C., uh, Dan Mullen is in is in is in panic mode, uh, and and by the way, this is a well respected coach uh, who is in desperate trouble because he he is uh, two and eight in his last uh, Power Five matchups. That's a, that's a that's a mess, and most people still don't think he'll lose his job at the end of the season. But that was count- but a lot of those uh, thoughts were cemented by the fact that most thought he would win his last four games, including the one last week. Should he drop a game? Uh, at Missouri or against Florida State the rest of the way, uh, I think all bets are off with him. Mm. That is the great Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Thanks, as always, Paul. Pleasure, Max. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Predicting things. Yeah, that's a good memory on key. Uh, A taunting call that has the entire NFL world talking. That's next. KJM on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80, plus your podcasts, your smart speakers, you know, all that good stuff. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.